Isaiah chapter 9 is where we're going to look for our text this morning. Let's begin reading at verse 1, shall we? But there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. I'd, I'd just like to just back up and say that one more time. But there will be no more gloom for her who was in anguish. In earlier times, he treated the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali with contempt. But later on, he shall make it glorious by the way of the sea on the other side of Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. You shall multiply the nation. You shall increase their gladness. They will be glad in your presence as with the gladness of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, as at the battle of Midian. For every boot of the booted warrior in the battle tumult and cloak rolled in blood will be for burning fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Now, Lord... In myself, I am inadequate to proclaim the truth of your word today. So I pray that you will make up for all my inadequacies. And by the power of your spirit, you will speak to us in the midst of the preaching. Help us to have ears to hear what the Spirit will say. I lift up other life-giving churches and I pray blessing upon them. And I pray for our loved ones not yet walking in right relationship with you. I pray especially for sons and daughters who have wandered from the faith. And I ask, O oh Lord, that especially during this season of the year, they will be drawn to you and that not one of them will be lost. I pray all of this in the only name that matters, that matchless name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. At the beginning of this Advent season, I told you that the word that keeps ringing in my heart as a message for this time is that light has come. In the very beginning, when things were dark and chaotic, God spoke and light burst forth. You know, as many times as I've read through the Bible, 
I've never come across any place where God created gloomy. Gloomy enters the picture in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve succumbed to the temptation of the serpent. Christmas is a time to remember and celebrate that the darkness and gloom of humanity's sin has once and for all been dispelled by the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, the light of the world. See, God designed you to live in the light. Yet we all know there are too many places where the light of hope has been extinguished. Without hope, every song is in the minor key. Without hope, the vibrant colors of the rainbow are reduced to shades of gray. Without hope, there are no through streets, only dead ends. Without hope, the weather report is always cloudy with threats of thunderstorms. Without hope, food is bland and tasteless. Without hope, grief is crushing. Without hope, life is void of meaning and purpose. This was the condition in which Israel found herself when the prophet Isaiah began his ministry. The passage that is the text for the message today was written to the nation of Judah around 700 B.C. At the time of Isaiah's ministry, the nation was in a weary and hopeless place. There had been an invasion, and there was a threat of even further invasion. People were on edge. Isaiah describes the culture with depressing words like gloom, distress, exile, scattered, oppressed. At the end of chapter 8, verses 20 through 22, the picture is about as bleak as it can get. The New Living Translation says it like this. Look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. They will go from one place to another, weary and hungry. And because they are hungry, they will rage and curse their king and their God. They will look up to heaven and down at the earth, but wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. They will be thrown out into the darkness. I read that and thought most of that could be written about the world in which we find ourselves today. Completely in the dark, wandering, weary and hungry, raging and cursing God, trouble anguish and dark despair everywhere, living in darkness. What's missing from Isaiah's message at the end of chapter 8 and what's missing from the world in which we find ourselves today is one thing, hope. But then comes chapter 9. Listen to the opening of verse 1 again. But there will be no more gloom for who for her who was in anguish. Verse 2 tells what makes all the difference. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. In the midst of all this darkness, there is hope. This hope isn't found in something. It's found in someone. Just this week, Pastor Larry put me onto a book titled, The Science of God. 
It's written by Gerald L. Schroeder, who is Jewish and a distinguished physicist. In one section of this book, he writes about the relationship between time and light. Now, mind you, this isn't a theology book, and it's certainly not written from a Christian point of view. But listen to what this renowned scientist says about light and time. He says, light, you see, is outside of time, a fact of nature proven in thousands of experiments at hundreds of universities. A little bit later on, he writes, it is highly significant that light was the first creation of the universe. Light existing outside of time and space is the metaphysical link between the timeless eternity that preceded our universe and the world of time, space, and matter within which we live. And then this is the statement that really captured my attention. He says, light as with all light-like radiations, the photons of gamma rays, x-rays, light microwaves, etc., all of that, he says, can abandon the ethereal, timeless realm of energy and become matter. In doing so, it enters the domain of time and space. This light, ethereal, can become substance. And that sounds to me an awful lot. Remember, this is a scientist. This is not somebody preaching. But it sounds an awful lot like the Gospel of John, chapter 1, where the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend or control or conquer it. It sounds an awful lot like John 1, 14, and the Word became flesh. It sounds an awful lot like the words of the text here in verse 2 of chapter 9 of Isaiah. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. What the prophet saw is what the apostle Paul is talking about in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 15 and 16. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light. The people are walking in darkness, but Isaiah says things are going to change. You may be wandering in darkness. You may have walked that lonely, painful path through the valley of the shadow of death. You may have known defeat, but darkness and death and defeat are not the end of the story. The way it has been is not the way it will always be. God has not forsaken nor forgotten. There is hope. This is the message I hear the Lord speaking during this Advent season. Light has come. He hasn't just come to the chosen people of Israel. Verse 1 specifically talks about the light coming to Galilee of the Gentiles. In chapter 4, verses 13 through 16 of Matthew's gospel, he picks up this theme and identifies Jesus as the light spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he writes, leaving Nazareth, Jesus came and settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. And then he goes on and quotes the first couple of verses from chapter 9 of Isaiah. The light that has come is none other than Jesus. And he isn't just the light of the Jews. He's the light of the world. And he is the light of your world. 
in this passage, Isaiah speaks to three groups of people during this Christmas season. First of all, he speaks to those walking in darkness. To you who are walking in darkness, Christmas means light. In the Bible, darkness is a term that represents the human condition that results when humanity rejects God. Watch this. Darkness will rule where God's presence is rejected. Darkness will rule where God's presence is rejected. In his sermon titled, Hope is My Anchor, Pastor Rick Warren talks about what happens when a culture forgets God. He says when a culture forgets God, wealth is idolized, truth is minimized, life is trivialized, abortion is legalized, television is vulgarized, advertising is sensualized, everything is sexualized and commercialized. Conscience becomes desensitized and anesthetized. Education is secularized. Free markets are monopolized. Race and politics are polarized. Sports are scandalized. Morals and ethics are liberalized. In entertainment, crime is sensationalized and immorality is popularized. Drugs are legitimized and sin is glamorized. The courts are paralyzed. The breakup of the family is rationalized. Manners are uncivilized. Christians are demonized. And God is marginalized. Does that sound familiar? Any of that sound familiar right now? The only answer to the darkness of this world is the light of Jesus. The only answer to the dark place in which you're walking today is Jesus. You know, it's interesting to me that we celebrate the coming of Jesus into this world in December. Now, we know that December 25th isn't the day Jesus was born, but it's the day we've set aside to celebrate his birth. What makes this interesting to me is that just a few days before Christmas Day, on December 21st, is what's known as the winter solstice. This is the time of year in the northern hemisphere that is the longest night of the year, and the shortest time of daylight in the year. Now think about it. During the darkest days of the year, that's when Christmas pierces the darkness with light. I heard a story about a man who was driving through a, a mining region when he noticed a large number of mules out in an open field. When he started asking questions about it, he was told that these mules were work animals from the mines. They had been brought up from the dark passages below in order to preserve their eyesight. Unless they were regularly exposed to the sunlight, they would eventually go blind. Now, I don't have to convince you that this is a dark world in which we are living. And it's easy to get consumed with the darkness. And if you do, you'll lose your spiritual vision. 
which is why you need to spend some time in the light. You may have to go to work in a world that is dark, so make sure you spend some time in the light of the Word. You may be surrounded by gloom and despair, so make sure you spend some time in the light of His presence as you approach Him and bow before Him in prayer. You may rub shoulders with people who have lost their way in the darkness, so make sure you spend some time in the light of fellowship with people of like faith. This is why you need to spend time coming together in corporate worship, because when we come together, the light of Jesus is lifted up and spiritual sight is restored. You know, you know, when people don't get enough light, they suffer from light deprivation, which results in mood swings and depression. The clinical name is seasonal affective disorder, S-A-D. There is only one cure for people suffering from SAD, and that is light. This is what they, they set up. They have to set up special light panels in their homes and get heavy doses of light in order for those people to start feeling better. I want to tell you the remedy for the people who walk in darkness is to see a great light, the light of Jesus. The remedy for the sadness and the discouragement and the disappointment and the heaviness and the anxiety and the fear and the frustration is get in the light. To those walking in darkness, Christmas means light. Then I want you to see the message of the prophet speaks to those walking in the shadow of death. To those walking in the shadow of death, Christmas means life. I'm preaching to some people who have been walking in that dark valley of the shadow of death this year. There's going to be an empty chair at your holiday celebration this year. Some of you are struggling trying to find a reason to celebrate. For some of you, your loved one hasn't actually died. We haven't had the funeral yet, but because of a grave illness or because of some other severely diminished capacity, it seems like a death, feels like a death. That once vibrant person you knew is now like an empty shell, and it feels like a death has occurred. It is to you that the prophet speaks and says, those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. It is to you that John 1, 4 speaks and says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Light has come to say to you with a confident assurance that death does not have the final word in this world. God does. The darkness of death can never comprehend, never control, never conquer the light of life that Jesus brings. I want to tell you, in the midst of your grief, the light shines. The light shines, and in Ephesians 1, 6, gives you an acceptance that can never be questioned. The light shines, and in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, gives you an inheritance that can never be lost. The light shines, and in 2 Corinthians 1, 10, gives you a deliverance that can never be canceled. The light shines, and in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, gives you a grace that can never be limited. 
the light shines. And in Hebrews 6, 18 and 19, gives you a hope that can never be disappointed. The light shines. And in John 15 and 11, gives you a joy that can never be diminished. The light shines. And in Romans 8, 35 through 38, gives you a nearness that can never be separated. The light shines, and in John 14, 27, gives you a peace that can never be disturbed. The light shines, and in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, gives you a righteousness that can never be tarnished. The light shines, and in Hebrews 5 and 9, gives you a salvation that can never be taken away. And the hope for you who are walking in the valley of the shadow of death is that death is not the end, but there is something after. See, after weeping comes rejoicing. After mourning comes dancing. After death comes resurrection. After resurrection comes eternal life. I tell you, it's too soon to give up on hope. You're still alive, so live. Live in the light of his presence. I need to hasten to tell you the prophet also speaks to those walking in defeat. To those walking in defeat, Christmas means liberty. In verse 4 of the text, the prophet says, For you shall break the yoke of their burden and the staff on their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, as at the battle of Midian. The battle of Midian refers to the defeat of the Midianites in Judges chapter 7 by that unlikely warrior Gideon. You remember that story? The, the Midianites had oppressed the people of God mercilessly, but the yoke of their oppression was broken with a seemingly insignificant band of 300 men whose only weapons were torches, trumpets, and clay jars. What are the yokes that burden you? What are the oppressive weights on your shoulders? That's why Jesus has come. He has come to break the yoke and lift the heavy burden. This is what the prophet was talking about in Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, so they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said in Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 30, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is what causes the Apostle Paul to exclaim in Romans 8 and 37, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. See, Isaiah says that this liberty is made possible through something that seems as insignificant as Gideon's 300 men with torches and trumpets and clay jars. 
When Isaiah looked through the prophetic telescope of time, he saw the ministry of this light that would shine in the darkness of the world. Long before Dr. Schroeder, Isaiah saw this light becoming matter, entering the domain of time and space in human form. First of all, he saw him, the light, as a child in the cradle. He said, unto us a child is born. Then he saw him as a man on a cross. Unto us a son is given. And finally, he saw him as a king with a crown. The government will rest on his shoulders. See, in the cradle, he's the fulfillment of prophecy, pulling together the hundreds of individual prophetic threads and seamlessly weaving them into one unique person. On the cross, he is a forceful presence, dealing the ultimate defeat to Satan and his demonic horde, providing the means for God and man to be reconciled. On the throne with a crown, he is the one who is forever preeminent, the one who rules and reigns from everlasting to everlasting, whose kingdom has no end, king of kings and lord of lords. Isaiah continues and says that this child, this light of the world, is one wonderful counselor. That means he takes care of all of the decisions of life. He is mighty God. That takes care of all the demands of life. He is everlasting father. That takes care of the dimensions of life. He is the prince of peace. That takes care of all the disturbances of life. John 1 5 says the light shines in the darkness. Notice it doesn't say the light shined in the darkness, past tense. Uh-uh, this word is present tense. The light shines. That word is a reminder that the light is continuing to shine. The light is right now shining as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. The light is right now shining, taking care of all the decisions and the demands and the dimensions and the disturbances of your life. And that means when you fall, he lifts you up. And when you fail, he forgives you. And when you stumble, he steadies you. And when you're hurt, he heals you. And when you're broken, he mends you. And when you're blind, he leads you. And when you're hungry, he feeds you. And when you face trials, he is with you. And when you face problems, he comforts you. And when you face loss, he provides for you. Oh, isn't the Lord good to us? Praise God. There are two little words, two little words that bring this right to your doorstep this morning. Two little words that make this more than a prophetic message to a people in a long ago time in a faraway place. Two little words. To us. Go ahead and put your name there. To John. A child is born. To John, a son is given. To John, in the face of darkness, light has come. To John, in the face of death, life has come. To John, in the face of defeat, liberty has come. That light not only comes to you, but for those who have put their trust in Jesus, the light shines in you and through you. It's what John 1.9 means when it says, There was the true light which coming into the world, watch this, enlightens 
every man. Enlightened. <laughs> there's no question that there's been a lot of darkness this year. Can I get a witness from anybody? <laughs> Yet in the midst of it all, I've seen the light continue to shine in the lives of those who have placed their hope in Jesus. See, this year I've seen the darkness of incredible financial loss descend on people. And yet the light shines. I've seen the darkness of lost health. And the light shines. I've seen the darkness of unexpected death. And the light shines. I've seen the darkness of social unrest. And the light shines. I've seen the darkness of political uncertainty. And the light shines. I've seen the darkness of fear from a pandemic that threatens the world. And yet, the light shines. No matter what darkness is hurled against the light, the darkness can never comprehend, never control, never conquer it. No matter how deep the darkness when all is said and done, the light will always triumph. This is the message from the very last chapter of the Bible. When you come down to the end of all things, Revelation 22.5 says, And there will no longer be any night. And they will not have need of the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun because the Lord God will illumine them and they will reign forever and ever. Here's what I know. At the end of it all, there will come a time when darkness will be extinguished. And the only constant that will remain is this. The light shines. I don't know if you're going to have to face more darkness in the days ahead. But this I do know. Light has come. And because light has come, the darkness will never triumph. I'm here to tell you on this Sunday before the celebration of Christmas, there is hope because light has come. Lord Jesus, you are our light. Thank you for coming to our dark world. Lord, we don't need you to come again, but in the midst of our darkness right now, we need a fresh revelation of your coming. I pray for people today, Lord. I pray for those that are facing darkness.
be the light that guides, that comforts. Surround them. Fill them with the light of your presence. I pray for those facing death and the grief of someone who has died and the grief of someone that physically they're still present but it feels like we've lost them. I pray, O oh Lord, that you will reveal the light of life to them today that they will have a new courage and a new comfort to live in the light of your presence. And I pray for those that are facing defeat. I pray that the light will shine and push back all of the darkness, break through, and give them the liberty that you have promised. We receive that now. Thank you that the light has come to us today. Shine on, light of the world. Shine on, light of the world. Helping them to find their 